At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. I'm really excited to be here. It's a privilege for me to share the Word of God. Um, Whether it's to three people or whether it's to 300 people, I think it's a privilege and an honor to open the Word of God and to be able to communicate and share truth. And I pray in an accurate way. And for me, it's about just people walking out the doors after they're done hearing the Word of God and focusing their mind on who He is and what He's calling them to do. If we sit here and listen to the truth of God's word and we walk out, it's just like it says in James. It's like looking in a mirror, seeing the things that God's trying to speak to us about, and then just walking out and forgetting actually what we look like. But it's important for us to actually look at the word of God and be able to understand what it's saying to us and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. Um, How was the baptism? This is powerful. Um, I love it. So, so excited. Um, What is your name again? Sarah, thanks for being honest and open just about the journey that you've been on. It's easy to get up here, just so you guys know, and just kind of give a nice little paragraph of your life without really stepping into some places, but I appreciate you sharing that. Um, It's so, so important for you, but also important for this community Um, as you share that. So thank you for doing that today. It kind of fits into this series of mourning that we've been going through. Good morning, it actually is is entitled. And that that title really communicates that mourning is not something that we should have in our lives that's hidden. It should be something that is present in our lives and it's something that we share with people that people around us know when we're walking through difficult times I know even just listening to her as well as for me I've been walking through some very difficult and hard times in my life my dad just passed away a little over a month ago from pancreatic cancer it was devastating Um, he was not that old Um, I remember taking him a day after my birthday to the hospital because he didn't feel, something in his stomach didn't feel right. And uh, this was in January. And basically he called me, I'll never forget it, from in the hospital because I had to sit out in the car with everything going on with the pandemic. And I remember him calling me and saying, man, they just ran some tests and they think that it's cancer. And that it's pancreatic cancer and it's probably not gonna be something Um, that they're going to be able to totally remove. The devastation, and I was sitting in the car by myself. There was no one else around. Being in that moment and in the past four to five months, journeying through that with my dad has been soul-crushing. It's like you're waiting for the thing that you dread to happen. You, In some ways, you want it to happen immediately, but then in other ways... You don't want this to happen, and you can't believe you're in the middle of it. Lament is something in our lives that I think we shy away from, but this book, which I love from Jeremiah, is just a beautiful understanding of why lament and mourning is important. And for all of us, we go through pain. I think the reality of pain, and I was just 
writing it down um, here as I was studying this week. Pain and suffering are one of the most beautiful things because they draw you to Jesus unlike nothing else. You can have the best times in your life. You can be standing on a mountaintop. And I mean, this, this, this looks actually like a really awesome morning, to be honest with you. Standing on a mountaintop overlooking like this huge valley and being like, wow, this is incredible. My life's amazing. Everything's going perfectly. See, that's easy. It's easy, and we don't even really need God in moments like that. But what happens when you're not standing on that mountaintop? What happens when life just crumbles? What happens when life doesn't work out the way you want it to? What is it inside of you that happens? Most people run to a lot of things, but the the critical piece is that we run to Jesus. Is anybody with me on that today? It's okay to talk back to me. I'm used to that, being in Detroit. We talk together through the message. I don't preach it. Um, But... It's, it's a moment where we run to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I desperately need you. I desperately need you. And there's no one else, there's nothing else that is going to get me through this moment or through this season without you and your help. That's the beautiful part of lament and suffering. Yes. Do you hear that? Someone is totally in belief. Just so you know, by the way, um, kids and screaming and everything, it doesn't bother me at all. I love it. So you're, you're okay. Don't, don't feel um, awkward or anything like that. I'm really being honest about that. Um, today what we want to do is just walk through and realize that re- lament brings us back to God. That's the reality of one of the areas of lament is that it brings us back to the reality of our need for Jesus. And today, we just want to look at three simple things from this chapter in Lamentations 5, which is a prayer from Jeremiah to God about lament in these three areas of lament that we, that we actually can use in our process of lament. Some of you might be going through it now. Some of you will be going through it. We all go through it in different moments. But I love how Jeremiah communicates through this prayer to God of the lament within his heart. And through this whole book, we've seen that. But let's just step into it here in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 5. It says from Jeremiah, as we read the word of the Lord, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers and our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink, the wood we must get be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Syria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. I love as it starts the three words, remember and look and see. Now, this does not mean that God forgets us. The reality is, is what Jeremiah is trying to do here is actually move God to action. Have you ever wanted God to do something? 
Man, I mean, we live in our life at times where we're like, God, do this, show up, speak, help me. Sometimes my just simple prayer going through life or going into a situation or going into a conversation is just help. And that's okay. Here what he's trying to do is get us and get us to understand how important it was to him that he needed God to move. And so we see these three words that he uses there. And then he goes in to this disgrace. We lament our disgrace. And we find this in verses 1 to 7. This disgrace of losing their inheritance that had been turned over to, to um, their homes had been turned over to foreigners. I don't know about you, but when you lose your home, you lose your sense of security. Home is a place that you come back to that's familiar. They had lost their homes. Then there was the disgrace of becoming orphans and widows. Like we see this in verse 3. We become orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. Like the family unit was gone. They were vulnerable. They were in a place where they were unprotected. I think family, and when you think of home, you think of family. Family and home are almost like connected totally together. And for these people, the children of God, they felt no sense of security. And they felt no sense of home. And the family unit had just been broken apart. I can't tell you guys how important it is in the generation that we live in right now in the present, the attack of the enemy on the family. Can I get a witness? This is something that's happening all across the world. The family unit has been under attack by the evil one because the evil one knows that any culture that exists, it's built on family. Anything that comes out of it, education, government, family is the core on which a, a culture stands. And the enemy knows that, so he's going to do anything he can to tear that apart. And here Jeremiah sees the reality of that, and that's why he's pouring out his heart to say, man, we see all of things that, that are happening. And then we see down, it, it drops down to verse 7, and it says, our fathers sinned. The reality of all of these things happening, and, and Jeremiah knew this, came from sin. Whether it was from him or from the nation of Israel turning from God, sin was at the core of it. And so he was opening up his heart and helping them understand and helping God understand that they had been living in sin and he was confessing that. Confessing sin is hard because it requires humility and not pride. We're, we love to be a prideful people. We love to be a people that kind of like talk about the things we're good at, talk about the things that have happened to us that are really great. It makes us feel good. We look good to other people. It's very difficult for us to come to places in our lives where we have to share with someone something that isn't necessarily the best thing about us. What I love when I get a chance to talk to people is sometimes even in interviews with people, I don't want to hear their accolades as much as their battles. Anybody can talk about their accolades. Not many people can talk about the things they battle with. 
That's why I think it was so beautiful today that you got up and actually shared in like detail. Like it's very easy to be like, well, I've had a hard life. Welcome to everybody else on the earth. <laughs> well, I did some bad things in my life. Has anybody ever done any bad things here? I, that stuff in my mind a lot of times starts, I, I get tired of it because it's not real life. I want to hear people, what I love hearing is when people say, I've never told anybody this before. Then my, it's like my ears like perk up and go to another level and I'm like, this is what I want to hear. And here we see Jeremiah saying this, like he's confessing and realizing that sin, it wasn't God's problem that they were in the position that they were in. It was their problem. It was their sin. Isn't it easy just to hide our weakness? And maybe today God's calling you to just open your heart up, first of all, to yourself. And saying, man, I'm... This is me. This is what I've battled and I've struggled with. This is a part of my life that needs, that needs help. Going to God and saying, God, I'm wrong. I, and, and, it's, and it's not telling to God, I'm sorry. I think saying I'm sorry is the cop-out to confession. I think saying I'm wrong gives us this humility of saying I am in need of your forgiveness. And God's waiting for that today. He's waiting to forgive us as we open up our hearts and we share our hearts with him. 1 John 1.9, I love this verse, and I wanted to just share it because this is the beauty and power. If we confess, which means we come to God in humility and understand our sin and our sinfulness. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and... This is what's amazing. Everybody talks about God being a just God like he's going to punish sin. We've heard that a lot in church. And people that's why people don't go to church because they're like, God's going to kill me. He's actually faithful, and they say he's going to kill you because of his justice. God actually is faithful and just to forgive. His justice is not just punishment. His justice is also forgiveness. To forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're here today, and you've never known the reality that you can come before God with your life, with the dirtiest, nastiest, sinfulest parts of who you are, and you can open up and confess them today and begin a new relationship with Jesus where he will forgive you and cleanse you and take your sin upon himself like he did on the cross so that you can be free and forgiven and whole. Praise God for that today. Secondly, we see that he laments our enslavement. 
the enslavement that is there among the people. We can lament our enslavement. Verses 8 through 16, it says, Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and the boys stagger under the loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate, and the young men their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. I think it's very interesting that Jeremiah walks through every single part of the family unit to show the attack that's actually happened. If you see here in verse 8, he says, Slaves rule over us. Can you imagine being a slave to a slave? I mean, that's the lowest of lows. I mean, there's slaves that are serving their masters. Can you imagine being a slave to a slave that's over you? How humiliating is this? But he says, slaves rule over us. There's none to deliver us from our hand. And then he kind of goes down, and we see in verse 11, he begins to talk about specifically within their community and in their family what is happening to people. Women are being raped in Zion, and young women in the town of Judah. We see here there's no honor or purity. They've lost it all. Secondly, we see men and young men. It says, princes are hung up by their hands and there's no respect shown to the elders. Young men and old men, there's no dignity. There's no leadership. It says, young men are compelled to grind at the mill and the boys stagger under loads of wood like there's such an oppression on these men. And then it says, the old men have left the city gate. The young men, their music. There was no hope and there was no joy in this community that was called the Israelites. Every piece of the family unit was under attack. Sin, interestingly enough, comes up in verse 16. Again, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have Sinned. He again confesses that the reason for all of these things happening is because of sin. Sin will enslave you. Do you know that? As soon as sin enters into your life, you become a slave to it. And you become a slave ultimately to the enemy. I think, and even today we were singing and worshiping and talking about like strongholds being broken. Sin, when it enters into our life, begins to build a stronghold. And the more we allow it to be there and not confess it, the more it begins to build itself and become at home. It becomes, it just becomes a part of our everyday life. 
We're okay with it. It's okay with us. And what we don't realize is sin is making us a slave to it. He even here in saying that, he's communicating the reality of sin and how it's become, they've become a slave to it. And he's communicating that to them. I think it's important for us to know that sin and confession, like we said before, breaks the power of that relationship with sin being and being a slave to it. When we confess and say, I was wrong, God, this is something in my life I want to break free from, that God is ready and willing and available and powerful to break that. Now, it takes time. And I think this is really what's difficult. It takes time for us to be able to do this. It's not easy. We need the community of people around us. That's why I love what you shared today is that it wasn't just her being able to say, God, forgive me of sin and get, get me over these things and battles. I need other people around me to actually walk with me through this. And that's the church family and the church community. Lastly, we see that we must lament our estrangement. Verses 17 to 22. It says, For this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. All this negativity, and then we come to verse 19, and we see this word. And what is the word? But... This is the change in everything that we've seen previously in this prayer. And now the author, Jeremiah, wants to change and kind of go in a different direction. And he says here, but you, O Lord, reign forever. Can I get an amen? Let me say that one again. But you, O Lord, reign forever. See, even though all these things were happening and they were walking through all these things and it was such a depressing, overwhelming, hard thing for them to walk through, God was still on the throne. God was still in control. God knew every feeling of every heart of every person. He knew women were being raped. He knew the disgusting and overwhelming thing that was happening. He knew that men and older men were being like oppressed. He knew all of these things. He was still in control. He understood the pain, the sorrow, the loneliness, losing their homes. He understood all of what was going on and he was still in control. This is what's hard for our human minds, guys. Our human minds can only understand God when he's in control, when things in life are good. But as soon as life changes and things are not good, somehow we believe God has lost control. Because we don't feel good. But see, the reality is, is whether we feel good or we don't feel good, God is always in control. Because that's who God is. God is a God who here, that's what I love, it says he reigns forever. The word for that is sovereign. 
It actually has the word reign in it. It means that he is ultimately in control of everything that's going on. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's coming. He knows what's already been. And he is walking with you through it. Jeremiah sees that and then he says, Your throne endures to all generations. Those that have gone before, those that will go ahead of us, those who are here right now, it has endured, it's enduring now, and it will endure through all generations. Those of you that have children, aren't you thankful that God hasn't just been here for you, but he's going to be here for your kids and your kids' kids? And when you're not around anymore, the reality that God will always be and will be sovereignly in control will never change. Man, I need to hear that today. Which, by the way, I'm not preaching to you as much as I'm preaching to myself. Now he says in verse 20, why do you forget us forever? And why do you forsake us for so many days? It's like, it's amazing how Jeremiah's like, you're sovereign, but then you forsake us. The beauty of the raw emotion that he's communicating here is just so powerful. We as a church need to get back to this, people. Family, we have to get back to this. We have to be a church that is open and raw about who we are and what we're walking through with God and with others. Church too much has become a place where you wear your best, you you look your best, you portray your best, you put on the mask of whatever other people want to see in you so that you can be what you're supposed to be in a community where God actually created it to be a place where people bring their worst. How did we get here? How did we get to a place where church somehow means you come and you don't share the mess that's going on in your life? Somehow, when you leave the church, you share your mess with everybody else, but not within the local church context. This is family. This is family. Now, maybe some of you, you just started coming here, and so you don't know a lot of people, and I get that, but man, what an awesome opportunity to get connected to a group or or get connected to some friends and say, I need help in my life. Here's what's going on in my life. Here it is, raw, open, and honest. That's what God is calling the church to. That's what God's calling all of us to. I remember one guy being in a small group. This guy came up to me after our group. He's like, man, can I talk to you about something? I'm like, yeah. And I could tell it was really, really hard for him to talk about. And I was like excited. I mean, not excited that he, something bad happened. I was excited that we're actually going to enter into something that I believe is really, really going to be exciting to walk through. And he said, I'm just struggling, and I, I don't know how else to tell you this. And I said, just tell me. He's like, man, I just, I just cannot stop going to strip clubs. And he felt so ashamed to tell me that. Like He's like, I just can't help it. It's so, so hard for me. And in my heart of hearts, I was like, thank you, God. 
that this young man had the openness and honesty to talk to me about this instead of going to talk to some other friend that doesn't know Jesus that's going to continue to walk with him in that. See, the thing is, is when the church begins to share openly what we're walking through and we walk towards forgiveness and healing, the reality is, is that people that don't know Jesus will want to become a part of the church. I don't know about you, but if I didn't know Jesus and I went to church and I started hearing people sharing about real life issues, I'd say, that's me. Wait a minute, I came to church and I thought everybody wasn't like me. Actually, that is me. That's me. We would see massive revival, I believe, in the church. And then we see at the end... Jeremiah says, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days of old unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry angry with us. The ultimate goal of Jeremiah in this prayer is restoration. And isn't that interesting? Isn't that the gospel? The gospel is about restoring. The gospel is about taking people that are deep into sin and need Jesus and cannot go to heaven on their own without the shed blood of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross for them to restore them to a holy God. That's the beauty of the gospel. And today even, I ask any of you here, if you don't know Jesus personally, if you don't have a relationship with God personally, if you've been wrestling with sin, but, but you don't know God and you haven't talked to God and, and you're not in a relationship when you haven't crossed that line of faith where you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, may today be the day. And for those of us maybe that have walked with Jesus for a long time but have allowed sin to kind of make its home in us, would today be the day that we'd openly to talk to someone here on staff or friends to say, man, I need help. I need help in this. May God give us the strength and the courage to mourn and to be open about our brokenness with each other. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself today.